my co-heir in Christ. Lord, I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would fill Tara up right now, God, and that she would be able to pour out tonight, God. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint her lips, anoint her heart, and Lord, speak to the masses, speak to this room. We love you, Jesus. We honor you. We praise you. And it is in your name that we always pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 How's everyone doing tonight? That was pretty pathetic. How's everyone doing? Hey, we've been talking with you guys the last couple of weeks. We kicked off this this year with the Hebrew word for hope. Does anyone remember it? It starts with a Q, ends with an R. It's not caviar. (laughs) Anyone remember the Hebrew word? Kavah. Actually, it ends with an H, right? I don't know. My brain's not functioning today. Hebrew word for, for hope is kavah, and it means to twist up. And, and when Kevin first had this rope, it was a red rope and a blue rope. And, and we talked about what it means to twist our lives up with God. And, and we, we combine ourselves with God in a way that can't be undone. But here's the reality for most of you, and myself included sometimes, is... God's word says one thing, and you hear one thing at House of Faith, right? Like God loves you, God cares for you, God wants to bless you, He has a plan for your life, it's a good plan to bless you, to prosper you, not to harm you, right? But then y'all go home to the same crap, right? Real talk? I mean, on Mondays, how is it on Monday nights we can love Jesus and we sing these songs and we worship? And then by Wednesday, we're dropping F-bombs and we're flipping off teachers and we really could care less about anything. Am I talking to anyone tonight? I'm the only one. Okay, there's six of us. To the rest of you, congratulations. But the reality is this. We often live our lives by feeling and not by faith. By feeling and not by faith. We're going to jump to Hebrews 11 tonight and I'm going to read out of the message translation. Um... And as soon as that pops up, here we go. We're going to jump in. Wow, I don't have my glasses. Here we go. Uh, You know what? Thanks. Here we go. Verse 1. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, everyone say faith, faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Did you catch that? Life worth living. It's faith. It's our hand on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word, what we see created by what we don't see. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as righteous. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. We know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. 
that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. How many of us have ever said, myself included, God doesn't give a rip, I've looked all over him, can't find him, I'm just going to move on. Real talk. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. By an act of faith, everyone say faith. Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him. Lived as a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real Eternal foundations. The city designed and built by God. By faith, Baron Sarah was able to become pregnant. Old woman as she was at the time. Time out, she was 99, y'all. What? Real talk. That's for real. I'm not making this up. She was 99 when, when God allowed her to become pregnant. That's unlogical. That doesn't happen in the natural realm. I'm just saying, if you're 99, you smell like mothballs, you eat dinner at 3 o'clock, you're in bed by 6 o'clock, and you're playing bingo, G47. 99, Sarah gets pregnant. Because she believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. That's how it happened. From that one man's dead and shriveled warrant. <laughs> That's funny. There are now people numbering into the millions. Let's get past the shriveled warrants. Each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised. Ooh, I'm going to slow this one down. Each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting, and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. Transient is like a passerby. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted. But they were after a far better country than that, heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. By faith. Abraham, at the time of testing, offered Isaac back to God, acting in faith. He was as ready to return the promised son, his only son, as he had been to receive him. And this, after he had already been told, your descendants shall come from Isaac. Abraham figured that if God wanted to, he could raise the dead. In a sense, that's what happened when he received Isaac back, alive from off the altar. By an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. By an act of faith, Jacob on his deathbed blessed each of Joseph's sons in turn, blessing them with God's blessing, not his own, as he bowed worshipfully upon his staff. By an act of faith, Joseph, while dying, prophesied the exodus of Israel and made arrangements for his own burial. By an act of faith, Moses' parents hid him away for three months after his birth. They saw the child's beauty and they braved the king's decree. By faith, Moses, when grown, refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house. He chose a hard life with God's people. 
rather than an opportunistic soft life of sin with the oppressors. He chose a hard life with God's people rather than an opportunistic soft life of sin with the oppressors. He valued suffering in the Messiah's camp far greater than Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead, anticipating the payoff. By an act of faith, he turned his heel on Egypt, indifferent to the king's blind rage. He had his eye on the one no eye can see and kept right on going. By an act of faith, he kept the Passover feast and sprinkled Passover blood on each house so that the destroyer of the firstborn wouldn't touch them. By an act of faith, Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptians tried it and drowned. By faith, the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days and the walls fell flat. By an act of faith, Rahab, the Jericho harlot, welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction that came on those who refused to trust God. I could go on and on and on, but I've run out of time. There are so many more. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. Through acts of faith, they, top of kingdoms, made justice work, took the promises for themselves. They were protected from lions, fires, and sword thrusts, turned disadvantage to advantage, won battles, routed alien armies. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. There were those who, under torture, refused to give in and go free preferring something better, resurrection. Others break abuse and whips, and yes, chains and dungeons. We have stories of those who were stoned, sawed in two, murdered in cold blood, stories of vagrants wandering the earth in animal skins, homeless, friendless, powerless. The world didn't deserve them, making their way as best they could on the cruel edges of the world. Not one of these people, even though their lives are faith, were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us that their faith and our faith would come together to make one complete and whole, their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. It says this in Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the seat of sinners, nor stand in the way of scoffers. Actually, I might have messed that up. Someone might have said this. Hold on. Say it, Google. <laughs> Sit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Blessed, let's try this again. Let me just let me just look it up. I'm sorry. I didn't. Psalm 1, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's a promise. And this is what God says that we can be, but uh, very few of us get to live like this. It says, Psalm 1, 1, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. But the wicked are not so. They are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Translation. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Second translation, if you don't follow this book, Uh if you don't follow this book, you can't be blessed. And here's what happens. All of us walk around and we say, oh, yeah, I've got a Bible. It's on my shelf. Or I might take a house of faith or I don't. Or my grandma has a Bible and it's bigger than yours, so we're better than you. (laughs) Or whatever. And we don't ever get in here. And if we do, we don't do 
This is how foolish we are, myself included. Ready? Oh, God, bless me. Bless me. You love me. Give me some random money, Lord. Help me pass this test that I haven't been paying attention in class all year long. Right? Real talk. That's what we do when it says in God's word that that's not how it works. And we've been talking about this messy world in which we live. The brokenness, the chaos, the mass shootings, everything. And the reality is this. There's a God who comes in the middle of that mess and his name is Jesus. And here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He doesn't just enter into the mess and say, wow, house of faith, you've got quite a mess here. <gasps> Did you cuss during worship? Shut No, Jesus enters into the mess and he says, listen, there's a better way. I have a better way and it's going to work and I'm going to bless you in that. But it takes... Yes, faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And all of this rests on the character of who God is. Of who God is. But the reason you don't know is because you're not getting in your word. Point blank. You come to House of Faith once a week and you get a quick 20-minute lesson and that's what you try to live off of all week long. It takes faith. And faith comes by the hearing of the word of God. Here's what we don't realize. The way in which you and I live our lives affects our lives. Every single decision you make will either help you understand Jesus more or it won't. Kixie is dumb. It's just dumb. I don't care what bumping song is on there or whatever. I don't even. It's just dumb. And here's why. Because it's telling you lies and it's telling you all the stupid stuff that doesn't matter and it doesn't help you know Jesus better. And you know what? When Jesus returns and we all stand face to face with Jesus Christ one day, you're not going to get brownie points because you know the lyrics to 10 songs. It's not going to matter. Every single decision you make in your life, the music you listen to, the things you watch, the things you read, the people you're hanging out with, it's either going to help you understand who Jesus is or it's not. It's either going to feed your faith or it's going to feed your flesh. That's why Kixie is dumb. And the reality is this, your faith will never grow if you don't feed it. We have exchanged faith for feeling. Here's what I hear all the time. I don't know where God is. I can't feel him. I don't feel like worshiping tonight. I don't feel like reading my Bible. It doesn't feel good to be made fun of for believing in Jesus. I don't feel like forgiving him. And guess what? Yours truly has said almost all of those. Anytime we choose feeling over faith, fear will win every single time. Anytime you choose to live your life by feeling over faith, Fear wins every single time. Your feelings are going to lie to you. I Guess what? I never feel like going to the gym. Oh, my stars. Never. Ever. Ever. I never wake up and say, oh, I can't wait to go to the gym today. But here's the reality. Once I'm there, guess what? I'm fan-flippantastic. I'm doing like baby shamo flips in the deep end because I'm just enjoying it. And it's the same thing. Do you know, I rarely feel like reading my Bible. This might be a little honest, but I rarely feel like reading my Bible. But the reality is, once I get in it, I'm like, holy cow, Jesus said that? What? And once I'm there, it 
feeds my faith and I, I can't stop. When you least feel like praying or worshiping or reading your Bible, that's when you should be doing it the most. Because life is hard and you need this. And either you believe this to be true in God's word or you don't. And if you don't, then, then all of this is for nothing. Either you really believe that Jesus is God's son and that he died for you or you don't. But you can't live your life by feelings. Because guess what? One day you're going to say, oh man, I feel like loving Jesus today. It's house of faith. We're going to sing some songs. Hope they pick me for the game. And then three days from now, when your parents are fighting or there's no food in the fridge or your best friend ditches you because she's dating your boyfriend who you thought was your boyfriend or whatever, you're like, man, I don't care about nothing. And then you're acting crazy. That's because you're living your life by feelings and not by faith. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't live your life by feelings. The commands of the Bible are not optional. It's not a buffet where you can pick and choose what you like and what you don't. Obedience is not choosing to say yes or no because you feel like it or you don't feel like it. Obedience is simply doing the right thing regardless of how you feel or think about it. I want to tell you two quick examples. Abraham. Abraham was a man who loved God and he trusted God and he obeyed God. And and God promised Abraham, look, Abraham, I'm going to bless your family. And there's going to be so many people in your family that it's going to be as many as the sand on the seashore. But here's the problem. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they didn't have any kids, right? So something's not adding up. Here what we have where it's a promise of God's word, but it's different than the reality that I'm walking in. But you know what? Abraham believed. We, we just read that in Hebrews 11. It says that Abraham had faith and he believed. And so Sarah is 99 and Abraham's like 100. And they have a baby and they should be playing bingo, but they're like playing chains on the dirt floor with their son Isaac, right? And, and several years pass by and then God says, the unthinkable. And God says, Abraham, I want you to give your son back to me. I want you to sacrifice your son to me. And, and here's what you need to understand is back in Bible times, sacrifices were normal. So when someone did something wrong or they needed to celebrate something, they would take the best of the best. They would take the fattest goat or the ram without a blemish. And they would sacrifice it on an altar. And if you read in the Old Testament, it's a, it's a great deterrent to control appetite. But it's like sp- sprinkle the blood on the altar and splatter the fat loin on the back. And it's just disgusting. But, but it's what they did. They, they made sacrifices all the time. And so God said, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. He had waited 25 years for this promise. That's a long time. Some of you are waiting 25 minutes right now on God for something, and you feel like it's an eternity. 25 years. 25 years. But Abraham, because he had faith, Abraham, because he lived his life by faith and by not how he felt, Abraham said, okay, God. So he tells his son, Isaac, come on, we're going on a father-son trip. So they pack the wood, and they pack the charcoal, and they pack the little long ladder thing. And and Isaac's like, "Uh, hey, Dad, didn't we forget something? And Abraham said this, God will provide some. And the story unfolds that Isaac is literally laying on the altar and he has the knife raised. I'm thinking there's some major pit sweat happening. Some severe heart racing, right? Palms are sweating. I mean, if that's me, I'm like, I, where do I stab? I don't know. This is awkward, right? I think Isaac's eyes are really big. Like, 
oh snap, I should have cleaned my room when he told me to last time, right? <laughs> like there's all these conversations happening in their head. And Abraham has a knife raised and an angel of the Lord appears and says, Abraham, stop. And in that moment, there's a ram caught by its horn in the bush. Coincidence? <laughs> no. Because God never wanted Abraham to actually kill his son. God wanted to know if Abraham would live his life by faith. It was a test. Can you imagine the conversation as I go back? Man, Dad, you had me. Have I told you how cool you are? Lucky Dad, you're awesome. You know, I mean, that's like the ultimate father-son bonding trip. I want to tell you guys a different story. A story about a guy who didn't obey. His name was Jonah. There was a city of people called Nineveh. And Nineveh was a, was a city full of people that did wrong. And they didn't listen to God. And it broke God's heart. And so God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell the people about me. Jonah said, no, thank you. <laughs> and he not only said, no, thank you, but Jonah actually like booked a cruise to the opposite side of the world, right? Like God's like, go here. And Jonah's like, oh, but my boat's going that way. Sorry, Lord, maybe you can send someone else. <laughs> so Jonah's on a boat and he's chilling and all of a sudden there's a storm, right? A really bad storm. And so the guys on the boat, they start throwing cargo overboard. And they're like, no, hang on to the Takis. Don't toss those, you know. Like the boat's going down and all this crazy stuff is happening. And and then they find out that it was Jonah. It was the judgment of God because Jonah didn't listen. And and so Jonah said, I'll get off the boat. And, And so Jonah got off the boat, which let me time out there listen. Your disobedience will always cause someone else's storm. Your disobedience will always cause someone else's storm. When you don't listen to God, it's going to jack something else up. Not just for you, but for someone else. You've got to understand that. So Jonah hops off. You guys know the story. Big fish swallows him. He's like chilling in the belly of a fish, which does not smell like essential oils, but something far worse. And he cries out, and he's like, man... God, I'm sorry, can I have another chance? And God, because he's God, says, yeah, I'll give you another chance. And so the fish vomits Jonah, and one day I want to ask him what that, like, what that was like, because that's just gross. And so Jonah gets another chance. We always get a second chance with Jesus. Here's the big picture. Your life is but a blink. It's a speck in all of eternity. All of eternity. Some of you don't want to obey because you don't know what the Word says because you come to House of Faith once a week. You, you take whatever we give you and, and you just try to ride off of that. And, and it's like, what if the only time you ate was at House of Faith? Y'all would be surviving off of five corn dogs, nine brownies, and three glasses of punch. You would starve. You would literally starve to death. And a lot of you are starving spiritually because you're not taking responsibility for yourself. It is your responsibility to feed yourself the Word of God. Okay? Like we just work at House of Faith. And, and you know what? It's a lot of fun and I love working here. But it is your responsibility to feed yourself the Word of God. If you want to know Jesus, it's your responsibility to know Jesus. If you want to pray to Jesus, it's your responsibility to pray to Jesus. 
just like it's my responsibility to do that. No, no one's feeding me Tara. I, I don't, I don't sit in my house and say, gee, I wish someone would bring me a word from the Lord today. Wish I could connect with God today. Wish someone would make me breakfast in bed today. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. It is your responsibility to feed yourself through the word, through prayer, through fellowship, worship, service. You need to be plugged into a local church. A lot of you think House of Faith is a church and we kind of are, but listen, we want you to be plugged into a local church on a Sunday. We want you and your family to go, and if you don't know where to go, if you'll come talk to us, we don't buy, we'll help you. Because the reality is this, there is a cosmic battle happening, and right now you can't see it, but there are literally angels clashing with demons because the devil hates your guts. And what you need to understand is this, Jesus defeated Satan on the cross, but the devil's coming after you, and he's coming after me as a consolation prize. And he's not going to stop. He hates house of faith, and he hates you, and he hates your family, and he hates every single time that one of you open your word, even though you don't understand it, and he hates when we worship. He loves it when there's a technical glitch and things go wrong here. Because he hates you. So here's the point. If this isn't true, then why does he try so hard to trip us up all the time? And that's why you can't live by feelings. It has to be by faith. What if Hebrews 11.1 or that whole chapter, it's called the Hall of Faith. Like Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith. Yeah, cheesy, catchy. What if it read differently and then instead of by faith, it was by feeling? What if that happened? By faith, Abraham, oops, I meant by feeling. Thank you for, for that shout out. Well, you don't have to shout out. But in Hebrews 11, what if it says that by feeling... Noah tried to build a boat, but smashed his thumb under the hammer and got mad and quit. Then Noah would have never made it. I mean, really. Well, what if it said that by feeling uh, Moses' parents were scared, and so they tucked Moses into a backpack and spent the rest of their lives running? Right? Like, that would totally not be a hero. That would be like, oh, that's awkward. Oh, my family was messed up. Right? What if... I got to turn there. What if it said, instead of by faith, if it said, by feeling, the Israelites thought about swimming across the Red Sea, but panicked because they didn't have their arm floaties. So they turned and surrendered to the the enemy. Right? But listen, th- this is how you and I live our lives when we live by feeling. They're called heroes of the faith because they lived their lives by faith. They believed in someone and something that they could not see with their physical eyes. And they held on to that belief no matter what. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. You will not make it without faith. You can't. And without faith it is impossible to please God. And I know that if your faith is anything like my faith, it feels rinky dink really little small some days. But that's why we do it together. Because we're better together. Because when I'm having a bad day and I forget how big my God is, 
one of you is going to say, oh, hey, Terry, remember that one time God did that crazy thing? I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was incredible. And when you have a bad day and you're discouraged and you forget how big your God is, I'm going to tell you how big your God is. He, he rescued you and he saved you and he allowed you the opportunity to be here tonight. And he saw past your failures and he saw past your hang-ups and your hearts and your habits. And he chose the cross anyway because he loved you. It doesn't matter how jacked your family is. That's not your story. Your story is, hi, my name is Tara and I'm a child of God and I'm loved by him just as I am. That's it, point blank. And that changes everything. But that takes faith to believe, doesn't it? Because the reality is a lot of us don't feel loved by God. We, we don't feel it inside. So we're like, oh, God doesn't love me. Yes, I'll go eat worms. It takes faith. It takes faith. Jesus didn't endure the cross. Will you flip the manes off while I so they can see that? Jesus did not endure the cross so that we could pick and choose how we want to live our lives as his children. I want everyone to look at that picture right there. And I'm going to finish with this. You were created for so much more. If you need your faith to grow, if you need to be inspired about how big your God is, you need to go home tonight and read Hebrews 11. We, we read the entire thing tonight. Jesus didn't endure the cross so that you would be addicted to things. Jesus didn't endure the brutality of the cross so that you would live your life just thinking everyone hates you and you're never going to be anyone or anything. He created you with a destiny. He created you to be history makers and world changers for Jesus. But it's never going to happen if you live your life by feeling. Never. You have to have faith. Faith that this God is really real. That Jesus is who he says he is. That he really endured the cross to free you, to forgive you. It takes faith. It takes faith to believe that Jesus rose from the grave three days later, conquering every last demon in hell, and that he's going to come back one day to get us. That takes faith. It takes faith to believe that God sees you and God knows you and he numbers the hairs on your head and he has your name spelled correctly engraved on the palm of your, his hand. And it takes faith to believe that God sees every day when you wake up and he sees every night when you go to bed, not because he's some sort of psycho creep, but because he loves you. It takes faith. But if you live your life by feeling, you'll never make it. Because your feelings are going to lie to you. Your feelings are going to tell you that that's not true. Your feelings are going to tell you that that's not real. Your feelings are going to tell you that you're not forgiven. Your feelings are going to tell you that you're just a failure. Your feelings are going to tell you that there's no hope for your family or your situation or, or that you'll never do anything with your life. But your faith, your faith will tell you a different story. One that is true. Your faith will tell you this. I am a child of God, chosen and loved by Him. I am forgiven and redeemed and restored. And God has an incredible plan for my life. God has dreams for my life that are way bigger than any of my dreams. And He has not forgotten me. He loves me. He sees me. He knows me. He hears me when I pray. That's what faith will do. But the choice is up to you. Will you live your life by feeling? And be tossed around like in the middle of waves? Or will you live your life by faith? 
When you live by your life by faith, you you obey. You're quick to obey. Point blank. Jesus says do this. You say okay, yes sir, and you just do it. You don't think about it. You don't sit there and write a ten-page paper on it. You don't sit there and argue with God and say, well, I think Plan B would be better, sir, with all due respect, because well, Plan A really isn't for you. No, if you live your life by faith, you're quick to obey. If you live your life by faith, your life becomes entirely about Jesus and no longer about you. Your prayer, your goal in life is this. Jesus, when others see me, let them see you. When others hear me, let them hear you. When you live your life by faith, all the things in your life will start to line up and get better. So here's my question that I'm going to pray. How will you live your life? I heard a preacher one time say that everyone should be a Hebrews 11.41. There's only 40 verses in, in Hebrew chapter 11. But this person said that, you know what? Everyone should be a Hebrews 11.41. By faith, Terah, dot, dot, dot. Today, by faith, Terah showed up to House of Faith. I told a bunch of teenagers that she really, really loves that there's a God who is big enough to save the day. What will your legacy be? What will your life story be? God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. God, thank you that you are true and right and good and pure in all things, that you are faithful, that you are big enough. God, thank you that you rewrite our stories and they're good. God, rewrite our stories. Rewrite my story and let us be heroes of the faith. God, help us to understand the big picture of heaven and hell and eternity. God, for those that just feel so consumed by their feelings of anger, despair, hopelessness, sadness. God, for those who feel so overwhelmed by the stuff they go through at home, God, I'm asking in Jesus' name for breakthrough that you would reveal yourself tonight to them, God. That they would go home and they would put their phones away and they would pull their Bibles out. God, that they would go home and they would turn the TV off and the video games off and and that they would just sing a song to you. That they would talk to you. God, that you would give them a measure of faith that far exceeds those of Hebrews chapter 11. God, give us hearts that are quick to obey. hearts that are quick to obey. God, we love you. We honor you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.